Yeah, regardless of um, the outcomes of the games or my performances last year, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I was given. Um, I think it's big for me being uh, at the age I am and in the position I am right now to have those game reps and kind of get that beneath me, you know, have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it, flush it away and, um, and learn from it. Um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing faster or pushing the tempo of our offense or just being a leader in general. That's all things I need to work on this offseason. I think, you know, playing those game, playing in that game and having those reps was huge for me. Here's JFA, Jackson Arnold. You heard him on the ref Monday afternoon when he joined us for about six, seven minutes. Talked about the receivers, running backs, offensive line, and, of course, what he's learned uh, from the Alamo Bowl and since the Alamo Bowl as well. What, what, any big takeaways you had from here in uh, JFA on Monday? Um, nothing new. Uh, it, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it was good to hear from him. It, he says the right things. Everything you hear about him in practice, it echoes that, right? He's a vocal leader, you know, obviously has to take the next step in the playbook as far as just the – you know, seeing what the defense is given and whatnot, but that comes from reps. The The bowl game kind of played out how it should have played out, a guy that has in, immense talent that just need needs more reps. So uh, excited about, you know, what he was talking about, but, but really the Brennan Thompson stuff was cool, talking about how he was the fastest kid that he's ever seen, uh, trying to talk about some of the other wide receivers. It's interesting because when you look at the returning production, Oklahoma ranks – decently low because of their offense they rank 111th in returning offense and hearing Jackson talk and you know hearing the coaches talk knowing the talent we have I just I'm not too worried about the offense next year Tyler yeah I I I would say that I'm I would I'm more concerned I guess about the offense than I am the defense I'm in a pretty good spot I, I know the ending to the year wasn't great but I still think everything that the defense is bringing back I feel better about the defense and the offense. If there's a side that I'm worried about more than anything, though, it's probably special teams at this point, man. That's That's got to be a lot better than what it was last year. Yeah, but I think you trust special teams to to get, to get be an easier fix, don't you? I mean, it's, it's dependent. Like, if you talk about offense, man, you've got a lot of moving pieces there. You've got a lot of scheming. You've got a lot of it. Like, all we want out of special teams – Make the field goals, catch the punts. Like, isn't that pretty much if you checked if you checked those two boxes, then you're like, yeah, man, I mean, special teams is really good this mainly year. Mainly make the field goal. I, I I would appreciate to catch the punts as well. Those are very critical. But let's just go ahead and make those field goals, please. Margin right. of error is quite slim in this league. Let's not be trying to win games with you know two missed field goals or anything like that. Right. No, I I, I totally agree with that. But yeah, I, I'm not too worried about the offense. What's interesting is. There's only one team in the entire SEC that ranks in the top ten of returning defensive production, and it's Oklahoma. Interesting. Well, uh, ESPN had a story out today, like uh, biggest spring questions for each top 25 team, and their big uh, question with OU is how ready is Jackson Arnold, which I I think is is fair and something Mm -hmm. we've already talked about and will continue to talk about. But what about the rest of the schedule? And this is not necessarily what ESPN says in this story. This is you and I, what we're saying about each team going into spring ball. Every SEC team that's on OU schedule. And text line, you, you of course, can interact, 405-651-3439. We say a team that you have a thought on, let us know and we'll get to it. 
but I'm going to go in order of the uh, games that are being played. And OU's first ever SEC game will be when Tennessee comes to town. And my kind of early thoughts on on Tennessee is, feels like, if people want to say how ready is Jackson Arnold for OU, how ready is Nico for Tennessee? Like that That's going to be a huge part of the Vols' success or failures this year. I, I don't think defensively they're going to be a juggernauts. They may be a bend but don't break defense, but... It's all about the quarterback position at Tennessee, so all eyes will be on Nico, the former five-star. Yeah, I think I think a few of these are going to be quarterback-centric, whether it's they've got a big-time five-star coming up through or they're replacing maybe a quarterback that had given them a bit of an identity before. But Tennessee, absolutely. Nico is the real deal. He's really talented. Obviously, he made waves whenever he signed that alleged eight, million dollar nil deal with tennessee Uh, i remember being at ot7 uh, in vegas with parker like a week or two after that happened and he was out there him and his brother and he he was quarterbacking one of the teams and the buzz around him they even put it in the in the like the the roster booklet they put his nil deal in the roster booklet about the team like it's around those kids and, and, and in that kind of culture, it's a very big deal, and he's a very big deal. He's very talented. With a Josh Heupel team, you know, you're, you're not going to expect them to have a, a, a lockdown defense, and then, you know, we're not, we're not expecting them to be Iowa by any means, you know, struggle to score, but they'll, they'll shut you out. Exact opposite, maybe. Exactly, exactly. So I would argue that, I would argue that Nico's success – is more linked to Tennessee's overall success than even Jackson Arnold's I would success agree with that. is linked to Oklahoma's overall. Yeah, success. because I think OU, like I, I think Tennessee will be good this year. I don't, I don't think they'll be playing um, in the Orange Bowl like they were a couple of years ago. I know the structure's a little bit different now with the twelve-team playoff and that. But Tennessee's way to win, to me, seems pretty. They're going to have to outscore you. Like, that's kind of what they do now, Tennessee. OU, I think that they're going to have an offense that's capable of doing so, but my, my point is OU's going to have more pass to victory than Tennessee will this year. I, I, I think OU can win a game or two because of their defense in the SEC. So I, I, w- I would tend to agree with that. And I guess Tennessee's defensive backfield, they lost a lot there. They're going to have a lot of young players there. You get them early in the year. I guess that's one of their biggest question marks is how good are they going to be in the secondary. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, in Bill Connolly's SP+, Plus, we're ranked 14th, they're ranked 15th, pretty much neck and neck. So, you know, it's a, a lot of similarity, but, again, early in the year, you get them at home. I think I think we're going to be ju- – I think that crowd is going to be absolutely juiced good, for the it, first it's a good ever spot. SEC games. Good spot to get Tennessee, for, for oh, sure. great spot to get Tennessee. So, I mean, you get them with an opportunity to go 1-0 and in the SEC, like get started off right, get the era started off right, and yeah, I think that uh, I think that that defense and and Brent Venables will know. Hey, look, if you can rattle Nico in his first you know SEC game, I think we win this football game. Then your next game's at Auburn, and there's a lot of mystery with Auburn. I feel like Auburn's team's probably going to be young this year, um, just with all the newcomers that they have. Uh, Peyton Thorne is their quarterback, formerly at Michigan State. I don't really think, you know, highly of, of him. I, I just think that he's okay, honestly. Maybe the skill position players are good. They got some young players that they hit on in recruiting. 
Um, maybe a good time to get Auburn as well. A team that has a lot of momentum right now and a lot of excitement. I just I, I have questions with Auburn at quarterback and some other spots defensively. It will will it be a cakewalk? No. Will it be the most talented team you play this year? I don't think that that's the case either. Now, check back in in a couple of years because Auburn had a good recruiting class last year, and they're kind of in position to do so again. Like Hugh Freeze may really build up the talent level there, but this is a, a – I think it's a good year to get Auburn here in year two with Hugh Freeze. I would agree. Uh, I, I think they are a little bit away as well. You've got – you mentioned the recruiting. They really – at the end of the cycle – they started flipping dudes. They started signing big five stars. Like they ended up, they they ended up putting together a nice class. But again, this isn't like Oklahoma or Texas or some of these other schools that have been recruiting in the top eight for the last three years, right? This is look, they're 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 trying to get some things together, and I do think that they're going to benefit pretty dramatically by Nick Saban's retirement because. First of all, it's incredible that they were able to win a national title while sharing a state with Nick Saban. But I think that I think they might get even just two or three more players that they would have lost out on in-state kids uh, that go to Auburn now instead of Alabama as Kalen DeBoer kind of gets his feet over there. SEC game number three is against Texas in Dallas, a game that apparently you're a 10.5-point underdog in, uh, according to FanDuel. D-line and linebacker will be question marks for for Texas. They feel good about their skill positions. They feel really good about their offensive line. Feel good about running back. They feel good about quarterback. Uh, I think Texas overall feels good about their offense. Again, defense will be maybe the biggest question mark for those guys, especially in the uh, in the secondary, like, like last year. Well, in the, in the secondary, they they lose uh, you know some starters in the secondary as well. They replaced. A few through the portal. They got some good news through the portal. But again, I I will shout it from the highest mountaintop that I can get to. It's you didn't replace Murphy, you didn't replace Sweat, you didn't replace Ford, and you lost your defensive line coach. Like the, The strength of their entire team was that interior defensive line, and it's gone. So, cool. I mean, they struggled in the secondary last year. They may continue to do that this year, but... They're gonna ha- they're gonna have to win shootouts, man. They're yep. going to have to win shootouts. South Carolina back at home uh, after the Texas game. Lenora Sellers. It looks like he's gonna be the quarterback of South Carolina. He's got rec specs. It's, it's probably the most um, manageable SEC game this year. A lot of things can change, but getting South Carolina at home would probably rank number one in terms of most winnable SEC games this year. But the Rex Specs at quarterback will be exciting to see with Lenora Sellers in South Carolina and Shane Beamer coming back. Yeah, that, that's kind of when you look at the schedule, you're like, that's the one you got to have. Got to have. Part. I mean, that's the one you got to have. So, um, you know, they're ranked 42nd in the SP+. Plus. I I don't see them as really a top 40 team right now. They, I mean, Their Beamer offensive line was me bad wrong. last year, man. Yeah, real good. bad. Real bad. So... I don't know. I I like Beamer a lot. I think he's a good coach. I think South Carolina is a tough place to win and win big. But I don't know. I think I, I think our defense is going to eat their their new rec spec quarterback alive. 
Uh, which nine, I think that's going to happen to a good amount of, of offenses. I'm I'm super high on our defense. Nine one eight says Texas is like the new cyber truck. It looks cool till you have to use it, then it's useless. Hell, they both even have rust <laughs> colors after use. Well, and Very they're, well they're they're both made in Austin, so yeah. Uh, Ole Miss on the road, Jackson Dart valued pretty highly by a lot of people. I I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think maybe he's a little bit too overvalued. They got a lot on the defensive line via the portal, led by Walter Nolan. If they hit it big in the portal like everyone thinks, then Ole Miss will have a chance to be a really good team once again this year. Yeah. and Or at least win a lot of games, I'll, I'll say that. And, and Lane, he can coach offense, there's no doubt. Jackson has his shortcomings, but he's good. He's serviceable. I mean, I, I don't think he's... You know, a Heisman candidate by any means, but I, I think he can. I think he can win you some games. Going out, they needed to get Walter Nolan. They needed to spend on defense in the portal because they're bringing back. I mean, they they rank ninety fourth in uh, defensive production returning. That's that's bad, and it's not because they just had so many NFL players that they all just went and got drafted, and they've got just bona fide studs behind them. Like, it's just it's just not the case. So Walter Nolan will be a big deal for him, but we'll see. It's it's a Lane Kiffin team, so they're going to win with offense. It's it's sure it's not too dissimilar from the Josh Heupel conversation. Like Lane Kiffin's teams are not going to be the you know defensive juggernauts and 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 just run the ball and control the game. They're ba- going to need to outscore you. Back on the road at Mid Zoo, Meth Zoo, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Luther Burden is legit. Maybe the best wide receiver in the SEC. He's certainly in that discussion. Brady Cook at, at quarterback. I, I probably rank him as a mid-tier SEC quarterback. The, the key for Missouri is they had a pretty good defense last year. Will they have another really good uh, defensive season like they did a year ago? Because, yes, um, y- yes, Luther Burden is really good, but they lose their best running back from last year. Uh, will their run game be the same? Yet to be seen. M- like Missouri's going to have to have another really good defensive season to replicate what they did a year ago even with that easy schedule yeah yeah it's it's going to be one of those things you lose the defensive coordinator you lose your defensive line coach not to mention you lose your athletic director but it's it feels like you know how tcu when they went to the national championship they had a bunch of underclassmen leave because it was hey man this is this is really the best we're gonna look Let's all leave. That way we don't damage our stock next year. That kind of feels like what this Mizzou team did. Like, they had some dudes leave that could have come back because I think they thought, hey, look, we just beat Ohio State. You know, we don't know what next year is going to look like. So I think they had some defenders, like especially in the secondary, leave that didn't necessarily have to, and I think that's going to hurt them. Uh, Alabama, maybe the biggest mystery in all of the SEC. Saban won't be jogging uh, onto the fields with the with the tide this year. Milrow is quite the threat running, but is he one of the best passers in the SEC? I think that that's definitely yet to be seen. So you got to respect Milrow and his running ability. We know they lost some talent with Caleb Downs. Um, but just how much talent did Alabama really lose, and can they sustain that? Like, we're going to have a – Really good idea about Alabama before they come to Norman in November. But still, man, one of the biggest mysteries in the SEC going into this year. Yeah, when you when you look at Alabama, 
you can usually throw out the returning production because they've got so many five stars backing them up. If you're three deep at at every position with five stars, then returning production isn't it doesn't hurt you as bad as maybe some of the other teams. But Tyler, they rank 126th in returning defense and 83rd in offensive production, in defensive production and offensive production. And and that's the problem. You lose Proctor. You know, you lose Downs. You might lose your best true freshman from last year. Like that's that's a big deal when you start to see some of those guys enter the portal. And sure, you've got a guy like Ryan Williams coming in. You've got some talent coming in. But when when you don't have those those freshmen that are ready to take big-time roles, Caleb Downs is being compared to Minka Fitzpatrick. When you don't have those guys coming back, you start to see maybe a chink in the armor. And uh, maybe the toughest schedule Bama's had in uh, quite some time in, in the SEC with the draw. Yeah, Saban's got. gone, and now all of a sudden they have to yeah. play Georgia. Amazing <laughs> how that happens. Uh, last game of the year at LSU – Boy, the defense, it it has to be better. They don't have another choice. They have a new defensive coordinator in. The defense has to be better for LSU. I'm sure I'm sure they'll still be good offensively, but are they going to have a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback in Garrett Nussmeyer? I would bet against that. I don't think he has the year like Jaden Daniels had. So LSU, like their their success next year might be dependent on how much better their defense is from a year ago cuz it was bad. Maybe the worst defense in LSU history. Right. The, you know, the good news is they rank 26th in the country in defensive production returning. The bad news is maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe you didn't want all those guys returning. And that's, that's what it's going to come down to. Jaden Daniels was so singularly fantastic for them that they have to take a step back because, because he was so special. He limited his mistakes. You know, early on when he was at Arizona State, he would he put the ball in harm's way way too much. He was playing for Herm Edwards. And at LSU, he cleaned it up. He started making better decisions. And that helped out his defense. And it still didn't matter because his defense still sunk. And uh, was able to put some points on the board. I don't think, unless, unless Nussmeyer is far better than I think he is, I think he's good. But unless he's a you know, all SEC type quarterback, then I, I I think I think they're a eight or nine win team. Yeah. All right, four oh five six five one thirty four thirty nine Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to your text and yes, more college football as well, right here on the ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe sooner football? We do too. Nine eight eight, then press one to reach the veterans crisis line. Tyler McComas, Travis Davison, it is the rush on the ref. And I guess this was out like 45 seconds ago from Pete Thamel. This is uh this is significant, potentially. It's interesting. Pete Thamel says sources the idea of a 14-team college football playoff was discussed by the College Football Playoff Management Committee at meetings in the Dallas area today. If that happened, it would begin in 2026. Nothing is imminent, but it's significant this idea was discussed. So we can't even start a 12-team college football playoff 
with already talking about the idea of a 14-team college football playoff. Can we at least like get through a couple of years of this before we add about uh, talk about adding more teams? Jeez, I just don't understand. Like, I, I don't understand the value in it. Just let it play out. See what works before you start trying to fix it. You don't even know if it's broken. But why? Why fourteen? Why not sixteen? Why not twenty? Like, why? I, I think if you expand it, you would. In in my opinion, because I was always a fan of the eight team playoff because I don't think buys. I think buys are a little unfair, and I don't think there's a good way to determine who should get a buy, really. I mean, I know they've got the conference champions now, but we bring up Notre Dame. Who knows with that? Like, there are holes that can be poked in it. I think the perfect playoff is an eight-team playoff. The first round of the playoffs are on campuses, and then the, the, and then the, the next round is basically what the current form is or current format of the playoff is. But got to have 12. Okay, now we have buys. Well, now if you have a buy, you don't get all that benefit from having a home game, right? And then now you want to expand it to 14, which, again, is screwy with more weird buys, more games played by other teams. If you're going to expand it, I would say just go to 16 so you can get rid of these buys and just have a clean bracket. Well, and and look, I'm not... So naive, like, of course, like, just like we knew the 14 playoff was going to always expand, and it did, but we kind of knew from the beginning, like, okay, it's four teams now, but at some point in the future, they're going to expand, and here we are with 12, and I don't think that we're going to be at 12 forever, I think we'll expand even beyond 12 at some point, but jeez, again, man, can we get through the first, like, maybe this is awesome, maybe the first round of home playoff sites are are, are great. I just would love to get through a season or two of it first before we're already talking about expanding this thing. It's just further proof, though, dude, that were they sitting there talking about it today, expanding the playoff already because of it would be better for college football or the structure would be better? I bet it's all about money, w- what it always is about this sport. Yeah, now. weird. Weird. Yeah, it's got to be. I. The only thing that is... Like, that has been changed so far, like conference realignment, playoff, anything like that, that has been changed that I could see already starting to have the conversations of changing it again would be making the SEC schedule a nine-game schedule. Like, that's literally the only thing. And Other that, than that'll that, happen at some point, I think. Right. But again, it comes down to money, right? The SEC isn't going to give them free inventory of SEC games. They're going to make them pay 12.5 more percent. So, uh, but I... I can we just just play it for a little bit? Play it for two years <laughs> before man. figuring out if something's uh, wrong with it. Uh, it, it. Okay, nine-game SEC schedule. Travis Davidson gets to pick the three permanent opponents for OU. Wh- which three are you, are, are you choosing? Three permanent opponents for OU? Uh-huh. Okay, Texas. Yep. Let's see. Te- I would go Texas, Arkansas, selfishly a little bit because they're so close. And then give me LSU. Wow. Texas, Arkansas, and LSU. We heard Florida about a year ago could, would, mm-hmm. would have been a possibility, and I would have been about that. But, okay, start up a, a bit of a rivalry with, with LSU. Like that, that's, LSU's pretty, it's pretty interesting because they're, they're a program that's won three national championships since 2003. Have they won the most national championships in, in since 2003 other than Alabama in, in the sport? 
Clemson only won two, Ohio State only two, Michigan only one, Georgia two. Like I think LSU's won the yeah. second most national championships in like the past twenty years. They identify Alabama right now as their biggest rival, but historically, like that's not a that's not a big rivalry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And though LSU considers Alabama their biggest rival, Alabama considers Auburn and maybe even Tennessee bigger rivals, especially historically. All that to say, LSU really doesn't have a long-term historic rivalry. Used to be that with Ole Miss. They tried the thing with Arkansas. LSU's kind of in the market for a a a, a long-term rival to to recognize. I don't know if that'll ever happen for those guys. It's just interesting a program like that doesn't really like have one that they call the biggest and the other program says, "Yeah, LSU's our biggest rival." Well, I just it LSU as you pointed out is so weird cuz they win national titles and they also have fired a bunch of coaches in that time. And too. everyone hates them, too. They are definitely rival-worthy. Nobody can well, stay in LSU. I think it would be a blast to play them every year. I mean, you get you get kind of what makes college football fun, right? Rivalry's fun. You get rabid fans in big-time environments, you know, big recruiting, you know, possible, you know, outcomes in that or implications in that, I should say, as Oklahoma wants to recruit the state of Louisiana. Obviously, they are recruiting – the Houston area better than they have recently, and LSU recruits Houston really heavily. Like I think, I think LSU would be an awesome rival. I I would take L. I mean, obviously they're in my three, but I think they're far and away a better rival than Missouri oh, oh. or Texas A and M or, I mean, name your other SEC schools. But I I, I think. I don't know. I, I think that LSU has the makeup of what makes a good rival. Vinny Paul says LSU stands to lose the most. Any coach that can't beat Texas or OU will be gone the next day. Uh, Greg from Lawton says, who is LSU's late season rival? They're OSU. Well, it was Arkansas for a while. They were playing Arkansas final game of the regular season. And here recently, I feel like LSU's been playing A&M on the final game of the regular season. So, who yeah. is LSU's o- Oklahoma State? I, probably Arkansas, if anyone. Like, that's a big yeah, deal to because, Arkansas since they don't play Texas anymore, but LSU fans have kind of, you know, well, it got really too good for Arkansas. It really got good there for a while when Arkansas was good. Like, those Arkansas-LSU games were great. I mean, with Darren McFadden and the boys, yeah. like, and they play in Little Rock. Like, it, it I mean, that was a cool – that was a cool uh, rivalry. So I think the, I think Arkansas would have been the closest to it. If I I mean if I had to guess, but the only reason that LSU and Alabama even were considered rivals is because they were both so good, you know, at certain times, right? You had the you had the game of the century or whatever um, that was you know fifteen field goals and nine missed field goals that everybody had you know made out to be the greatest of all time. But then you look back at the like the rosters at that game. There's like fifty NFL players. From that game, crazy man. It's a, it's. A, I mean, it may not be fifty, but it may be forty-five. Like like going back and looking at those rosters and seeing how many were eventual NFL players. I mean, I'm not sure. You would have there. It would be a very sh- small number of games that have featured that much eventual NFL talent on the same field. Uh, Reverend JP, I think he lives in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, says, I live in Louisiana, LSU, and A&M are rivals. But now A&M gets Texas back, so that's their that's their biggest rival once again. Well, I mean, that, that Houston area is, I mean, proximity makes sense, right? 
LSU's always, you know, in Houston, you know, in A&M's backyard, and they don't like each other. They had that seven-overtime game where they made, like, rings about it. Yeah, well, oh, oh, yeah, you mean the game that was so awesome that we changed the overtime rules in college football? So we'll ne- the game was so awesome we ensured that we'll never have a game like that yeah, ever again? Exactly. That, that game? Exactly, God, yep, it still that's makes the me one. mad, jeez. Uh, Mama Tried from the 918 says, I want Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State to be OU's rivals. With three laughing face emojis. Hey, you know. The easiest path as possible. Hey. If, if Nick Saban was still at Alabama, that'd be their three permanent rivals. Alabama yeah. against Arkansas, Vandy, and Mississippi State. Congrats, guys. Heck yeah, they would. They might actually get to play Vandy twice. Man. Border Suter says, I don't care who the other two are, but for the love of God, make one of three the piggybacks. It's rough over here in the border. Yeah. That's, I, that's what I've told you multiple times is if OU and Arkansas ever gets heated, you guys in Tulsa will be uh, on the battleground for that one. Like we're in the trenches. That's, we're that's, in the trenches. That's where that war is going to be fought on a day-to-day basis. Hey, if I call for if I call for backup, you guys got to take the old kickapoo and get here quickly. But uh, we, we should be able to handle ourselves up here in the 918. Speaking of uh, expanding the playoffs already, or at least the talk of it, Alex from Manford says, that's like someone being a week out from getting married, but texts an ex and says, you up? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair point. Randy from Miami says, agree, Travis, get rid of the buys. Way too advantageous, 16 with first two rounds at home. Yeah, and, and plus, like you, you miss out on that home playoff game if you're one of the four best teams. Right, and you want that. ADs want that. So. Local businesses want that. Fans want that. I mean, we, we've talked about it at length saying, man, what would it be like to host Texas in a playoff game in Norman? What would it be like to host Lincoln Riley and USC in a playoff game? You know what I mean? Like, those are the kind of things that you and I sit here and dream about. We're not dreaming about buys. Like, that's not fun. Like, but it's advantageous. Drew from Flower Mound says, still remember that 07 Arkansas LSU game featuring Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, beating the national champion 50 to 48. And Darren McFadden had a very epic post-game uh, on-field interview after the game with Houston Nutt. We got that wood! We got that wood, baby! <laughs> he kept screaming, we got that wood. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what happened that day in Baton Rouge. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More of your text, and we'll hit the big stories in college football. From the second I walked in, they treated me like family and made sure I was getting a great ring and a great deal. It is truly a one-of-a-kind experience, and I'm extremely grateful for everyone there. I found exactly what I wanted at Mitchell's Jewelry, and I'm confident that you can too. Go by and see them at 2201 West Main Street in Norman. Boomer Sooner. Here's a headline for you. It definitely caught my eye. Lincoln Riley shares when USC realized it needed to be bigger up front. I'll repeat that in case you didn't hear me the first time. Lincoln Riley shares when USC realized it needed to be bigger up front. What's your first thought when you hear that headline? Wait, when did he realize it? He realized it definitely in the second half of the season. That certainly showed up. We obviously played a pretty tough stretch of games there in the back half of the season. But typically that November football, that's when that tends to show up 
And I thought we got a little bit worn down. We got a little bit worn down physically and had some games, obviously, that we didn't stop the run very well. So November is when he found that out, that they need to be bigger up front. He should have found that out in November of 2017. (laughs) Even that was too late. Like, like, (laughs) this is incredible. It's incredible to witness in real time, isn't it, Tyler? Like, something that every single person that watches the sport of college football has been screaming on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, media articles, TV, radio, everything at this guy. And all of a sudden he's like, eh, you know, you know what I think the problem is? I think we might not be big enough. On the- like, what? You, you, you've been told this a million times. Oh, my gosh. In- in- incredible, Tyler. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, well, at least he learned a lesson from this past year. That was a uh, complete disaster. Has- out hashtag there growth. Hashtag growth. That's why he finally decided to move on from uh, from Alex Grinch. Now I hope Alex Grinch goes out to wa- uh, to Wisconsin and has a really nice career out there. Hey, I think Alex Grinch is going to turn things around. I mean, the, the the players always said he's the, the like the smartest football mind they've ever been around. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. If I'm if I'm buying stock, I'm buying low, buying real low on Alex Grinch right now. Now I may be, it may be a stock that uh, we'll lose a little bit of money on, but I'm buying it low. I won't lose much. Uh, but but I think I think Alex Grinch eventually will be a head coach in uh, in college football. KG and Piedmont says, and in other news, water is wet until it's not. <laughs> that should have been the first sentence after I read that headline. Lincoln Riley shares when USC realized it needed to be bigger up front. Well, how much do you hear now about how hard college football coaching is compared to how it used to be? Man, it wears on these guys. There's always something to do. Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State isn't having it, man. He fired back at college football coaches complaining. Quote, I literally spent nine years of my life doing anything to become a coffee boy. So don't give me the, oh, it's hard to be a coach right now. Yeah, it's hard. Then quit. Yeah, I like the adage. I kind of like Kenny Dillingham. He's he's pretty fiery dude. Well, Kenny, you remember when Kenny was thanking by name a donor for making sure that they could have like a offensive line last year? No, I I do not. I remember him um, being all upset that they were uh, uh, they weren't bowl eligible. Not that that mattered anyway. But but well, well the, I he was in an interview and they're like, so you know, how did you do this? He's like, well. Bob Jones, or whoever he said, Bob Jones is the reason that we have these players. It's NIL. You got to have it. So Bob Jones went out and got us something. You know what I mean? Like something like that. I was like, good Lord, Kenny. (laughs) Kenny letting it rip. And I love it. I I really do love it. It, It's one of those things that little things like that, Tyler, that, that come up in the news, that will help him recruit. Like, and he needs help recruiting. So, if he can be the media darling, if he can appeal to every dad across the country that is jealous of all these multimillionaire, you know, college football coaches that may have to deal with the stresses of the portal and, and, and NIL these days, and they get to say, you know, the same thing they say under their breath. Oh, boo hoo, you get paid, you know, multimillion dollars. You get this massive buyout if you fail. Boo hoo. And all of a sudden they got Kenny over here saying, yeah, yeah, get over it. You wusses. Those dads around the country are going, yeah, I like that guy. 
That kind of stuff matters. I, I, I don't know how I feel about him as a football coach or if he's ultimately going to succeed at Arizona State or not, but just yeah, yeah just him, some of the stuff he said, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't hate it, that's for sure. Shark says, does that kill the Benny Wiley theory? Is he looking for a – and, of course, the uh, text line isn't loading right now. In- Internet's been slow today. I'm getting about half of your text right now, Shark, but basically he's saying USC found out in November if they need to be bigger up front or not. Does that kill the Benny Wiley theory? Is he looking for a new dumbbell kettlebell coach now at USC? Well, and the, the thing is, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, now the Grinch is gone, they're going to be so much better. To which I said, hey, look, the issue is Benny Wiley. And they said, well, Benny Wiley said he was excited that he could actually build football players the way he wanted now and not the way Grinch wanted him to. Well, but that doesn't make much sense to me, Tyler, because – Benny's the one that made our offensive linemen into distance runners. Was Alex Grinch telling him that he wanted small offensive linemen too? Because if so, why the hell would Alex Grinch have any any say in that over Bill Biedenboe? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I think this is much more of a Lincoln Riley and Benny Wiley thing than it ever was a, a Grinch thing. I thought we might get a text that said something like this, and you know what? We did. I was right. Border Sooner says Caitlin told Lincoln – he needed to be bigger up front years ago with three laughing face emojis. So I thought that might happen, and turns out it, it sure did. Uh, okay, this is, I don't know if it's breaking or not, but Eli Gold will not be returning to uh, Alabama as they play-by-play voice. I know some of you have probably heard this voice previously. From the Clemson 25, here's the give Scarborough. Comes near side, nice blocking, gets to the edge. 20, he's to the 15, cuts back 10, forward 5. He's into the end zone! Touchdown, Alabama! One of the most recognizable play-by-play voices in the SEC will not return as the voice of Alabama football next year. Uh, but 35 years of calls there in Tuscaloosa. But I-, I know he had to miss some time because of some health issues. Looks like Alabama wants to move forward with someone else. Interesting. Hmm. Don't really see that all too much for someone that's been there 35 years as a play-by-play voice. Right. That's That's usually a, you know on their own terms type situation because especially if they've been there that long, like there are more people that know him than know the guy that's going to be letting him go, or at least they're bigger fans of him probably. I mean, that seems like a like an odd PR move, doesn't it? We're getting the knockoff Alabama this year in Norman, aren't we? First no Nick Saban, now no Eli Gold. Like, But that's what's interesting. Like during a regime change, like I feel like the administration is already going to have to deal with like, hey, this new guy better be as good as Saban because you guys spoiled us with him. And then you turn around and get rid of Eli Gold? Like, I don't I don't know. So much I mean, change at Alabama. Golly. Next thing you know, they'll be coming into Norman with alternate uniforms. Alternate Jeez. houndstooth uniforms. Jeez. That's that's when they'll finally be like, the all horror. right. The you, horror. You, you change some stuff on me, but the alternate uniforms is where I really get mad. I don't think Alabama fans would deal with that well. Don't blame them. Uh, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, more of your text, more football as well, right here on The Ref. This is The Ref Sports Radio Network. Jeff Lister here with Knippelmeyer Chevrolet. Have you been looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle? We are constantly receiving new inventory and have a wide selection of Silverados and SUVs. At Knippelmeyer, we still do business the same way we have for 63 So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. 
With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Water is our most precious resource and something that should be conserved and used wisely. Here are some water conservation tips you can try. In the bathroom, turn off the water while you brush your teeth. You'll save about four gallons per minute. That comes out to about 200 gallons a week for a family of four. Water is life. This message was brought to you by the City of Norman. Mike Steely here for my friends at Cavens Emergency Response. Are you prepared for the winter weather? This time of the year, we see pipes burst when we least expect it. That's why Cavens Emergency Services are here for you 24 hours a day. Cavens can prevent further damage, dry structures to minimize mold, and fix pipes. Leave the work to the experts. Cavens is here for you. Call them at Cavens Group today, 405-573-3048, or online at cavensgroup.com. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. We're probably going to have to hit this at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I don't know if we have enough time to get to it before the top of the hour. But some sad news out right now. Um, Adrian Peterson is reportedly selling his MVP trophy, Rookie of the Year trophies, Offensive Player of the Year trophies, and more in an estate sale in Houston. And the thought behind this, Travis, is that AD is in serious debt right now, so he's selling off some of his uh, coolest, best memorabilia, some of his best achievements to kind of help offset that. That's that's pretty pretty sad news. Yeah, you know, it's a, a, a story as old as the sport, or at least as old as the contracts, right? You get bad advice, make bad financial decisions, and they come back to bite you. And a lot of people get shocked. How how can a guy that's made over a hundred million in contracts in his career, you know, not not have a bunch of money put away? But got a lot of rea- kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the reality is, you know, bad bad investments here and there. That money can be gone very quickly, uh, and and it's definitely unfortunate. Uh, but I mean, there's a there's an auction online right now, and it's got, I mean. Shoes, shirts, jackets, pants, uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so it's when you start to see stuff like that, that means that every $40 helps, every $20 helps. It isn't just, hey, I'm selling these awards that somebody might pay a million bucks for. Yeah. It's everything must go because I am in dire straits. That's what's sad about it. Uh, we'll we'll hit more of that uh, in the in the final hour, but not not fun news for sure for for AD um, seven eight five. I wish OU fans didn't handle alternate uniforms as well as they do. Road whites is the absolute best uni in college football. Definitely agree with the road whites being the best uniform in college football. Is Alabama the only team at this point that's not doing some sort of an alternate uniform? Like Notre Dame has done it before. Ohio State's done it against Michigan at times. Right. Yeah, Michigan has um, has USC. I guess I don't remember if you. I don't remember a USC alternate uniform, but there's not very many holdouts at this point for for never at least experimenting with some sort of different uniform. Well, it's you know it's tough because you get you've got to walk that fine line. You know, 
and when people are are hot, it's trend setting, right? Well, Alabama, you know, it's, they're not going to be the hottest, you know, thing on the block right now. Oregon, who has a billion uniform combinations, kids like that. Kids associated with being new and and forward thinking and and tech savvy and fashion savvy and and fast and things like that. Once that kind of stuff is associated with it, and kids want to take pictures in them, I mean. The kids want to take pictures and alternates when they come on their visits. That should tell you all you need to know. Frat bro Marcus. Yeah, Penn State. They, I don't think they've had any alternates over the years either. And if you got traditional That's uniform, man, I just traditional uniform just looked the best still today. Mm-hmm. Final hour of The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref. You're listening to the home of Sooner fans, KREF, Norman, Oklahoma, and streaming live on the KREF app. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Ever wonder why someone